Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game with me, Kevin Day and Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire. It's Newsday, Kieran. We have a lot of stories, which unfortunately means we can't discuss any football stories at the moment, any actual on-the-pitch stories. So our respective league positions will have to be uh, left for another pod somewhere around the end of April, hopefully. Um, big stories, Kieran, I have to say. Um the first one, Manchester United, Sir Jim Ratcliffe has expressed his interest in buying the club. And I assume, Kieran, that the world of business is excited, if not cock-a-hoop, about this. Well, um, when when the story broke, which was uh, at about 5.30 on Tuesday evening, um, I, I mentioned it to the Baroness and, and she gave me the look... <laughs> We both know what the look is like um, yeah, along the lines of. I don't know why she gives, this isn't. Don't know why she gives me that look, Kieran. I've never, I, I've never ruined a life with spreadsheets. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the, 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 yeah, it was a bit strange that the world of business um, was was pretty much indifferent. There was hardly any change in the share price. There was a very short. Uh, spurt of buying and selling, but the, the price settled down to to where it was beforehand. So it looks as if the markets have effectively factored in what they consider to be a, a likely uh, sale price uh, of the club by the Glazers. Um, certainly, there, there was a lot of media interest. Um, you know, it, it is uh, it is an iconic club. Um, it, it does attract a lot of headlines. So the the, the newspapers, the radio stations, TV. Um, it, it's fair to say that uh, yeah, w- w- my WhatsApp was uh, w- was was busy last night, and not with uh, not with my uh, uh, friends from Liverpool saying could I get them tickets for the cup game <laughs> in ten days' time. <laughs> um, so, so Jim Ratcliffe has expressed an interest via his uh, company Ineos. Uh, remember, he already owns Nice. Yeah. In France, uh, I think he owns another club elsewhere. I think in, in Europe, he's uh, he's turned around uh, Team Sky, which is now Team Ineos in terms of um, cycling, uh, and he is ridiculously successful. Uh, you know, a very smart businessman. Um, uh, so, yeah, the, the, there was that, and and then you go, well, why, you know, why, why announce it on on a Tuesday evening. It just seemed a bit of a strange thing to do, um, and sort of. You know, I sort of, I was looking for you know, for Jim Ratcliffe stories, and uh, you know the timing did seem a bit strange because I think that the previous day the Guardian had done a sort of typical Guardian thing. It is it, it's looked at um, one of his charities, uh, you know, the, the Jim Ratcliffe Foundation, which does work for underprivileged kids. Absolutely fantastic. Um, and, and uh, you know, uh, we are we are in principle in favour of you know benevolence towards those less less well off than ourselves. And and then the Guardian said, well, uh, it looks as if the the, the Jim Ratcliffe Foundation has um, been involved in the acquisition of a uh, a ski clubhouse um, in the Alps, <laughs> um, costing around about sixteen million pounds. Now. If this involves uh, yeah, underprivileged kids getting the opportunity to, to you know to, to go skiing, and uh, skiing is one of those things I've done once or twice. Not really me. I've, I've, I've not got the knees for it. I think it's fair to say. Um, but uh, it, it then the, the Guardian then seemed to say that uh, well, it, it's not quite as benevolent because in order to uh, be a member of the clubhouse, you, you've got to pay a twenty-five thousand euro entry fee. Um, and that, that doesn't seem particularly charitable to me. Mm. So I, I believe the Charity Commission has sort of gone as far as raising one eyebrow, which, you know, and that's going, uh, give us a bit more information about this. And uh, the foundation has been quite aggressive in pushing back at The Guardian with sort of, you know, saying, well, you're trying to give us a bit of a nudge, nudge, wink, wink, that uh, things take place. So, yeah, I think the timing is is interesting because, you know, normally in business, you, you know, a lot of stuff goes under the radar. We've not heard the names of any of the other interested parties. 
Uh, I mean, it's fair to say that uh, that Sir Jim did express an interest in Chelsea, you know, sort of sort of nine months ago. Again, when the the Rain Group were involved in the sale of uh, Chelsea Football Club, as they have been asked to do so in respect of Manchester United. Um, so, you know, there's, there's a couple of parallels. You know, he 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 went very public. He went very late with regards to Chelsea. He's he's going public again in respect of Manchester United. You know, this is somebody that chooses to live overseas because he 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 wants some privacy and and you know I'm I'm you should always respect somebody's privacy. So there there appear to be a, a few inconsistencies in, in in all of this. Uh yeah, Manchester United fans, the ones the ones I speak to, I think emotionally they would be delighted if he if he bought the club. Uh, yeah, because he is a successful and yeah, B he's, he's from Oldham, so you know you, you can you can understand uh, why they'd like like a local lad. And yeah, he's seventy years old. If, if if I was the richest man in the country and wanted to leave a legacy, then then buying a football club I supported and taking it to new heights would be uh, you know would be the way to do that. But uh, you know I'm 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 not uh, that, uh, so I'll I'll leave that to, to Tony Bloom for my club. Mm. Uh, he's not seventy, is he? No, he's 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 a whippersnapper. He is. Yeah. He's I think late forties. Is Tony uh, a very good friend of mine? Uh, comedian Dominic Holland, uh, also the father of Spider Man, Tom Holland, uh, and he knows cool. my theory. I, I've I've said to him that I believe alternative comedy started to die the day Dominic Holland went on stage at the comedy store and said, "Has, has anyone seen the price of skis?" Um, <laughs> um, this uh, this is an interesting one, Kieran. There's a couple of things. Would he would uh, Ratcliffe be buying the whole of Manchester United? And and also, it's interesting because it would be bucking uh, Bruce bucking a trend in that an English owner <laughs> is buying clubs from Americans because it's been the other way around recently, hasn't it? Yes, um, th- there's. There's no benefit in in my view in Sir Jim Ratcliffe buying fifteen or twenty percent of Manchester United because he he doesn't need to try to flip uh, a a minority stake in the club. He's he's been successful. He's already proven himself uh, with with regards to his historic investments. So you know why why at his age you know buy some shares, hold on for a couple of years, sell them at a profit. You know, assuming he makes a profit. Um, so. Uh, the logic would be to buy a controlling stake in the club and, and then to use his ethos, you know, and he certainly in terms of uh, Team Ineos uh, in respect of cycling, it's sort of you know, the idea of marginal gains, data-driven, uh, analytical uh, you know, approach, change the culture of the club, which I think it's fair to say over the last decade has been poor, um, you know there are there are sometimes accusations of the clubs being driven by the commercial department rather than mm. the football side of things, and, and that doesn't tend to work uh, on a long term basis. So, um, I, I, I suspect he would want to to acquire all of the club, and yeah, I, I agree with you. I think you know having a, a another domestic owner. Um, sort of acts as a, as a bulwark, uh, which is not a word I use very often, um, against those fans in general who fear that you know should fourteen uh, Premier League clubs be owned by American owners, and, and and I don't want to go and paint American owners as as the big bad wolf in this. Could there be a seismic change in terms of sort of you know the culture and organisation of the Premier League? Um, of course, if we had an independent regulator of football, <laughs> that. that that wouldn't be necessary. Ah, between eight and nine minutes. It's like the old golden goal ticket. <laughs> people right. get really excited. They go, nine minutes, one second, and the club go, no, it's eight minutes, 59. You lose. <laughs> um, how much money are we talking about, Kieran, for the, ac- the acquisition of, of uh, the football club, the ground, Carrington? And does that factor in the fact that, as we've discussed, Old Trafford's infrastructure needs a lot of money spent on it? Although I suppose in terms of the whole amount that he's spending – it won't be that much, will it, that you need to spend on Old Trafford to bring it up to purpose? Yeah, um, I, I believe the asking price is somewhere between six to eight billion. Wow. Now, that pound, would pound say that dollars. pounds, I think that is. Um, yeah, so that's saying that Manchester United is what, what worth two and a half to three times the value of Chelsea. Um, Manchester United's a bigger club than Chelsea. This isn't, this isn't a dig at Chelsea. You know, it's 
you've only got to look at the, the respective histories of the two clubs. It, it effectively says that, that Manchester United is worth somewhere between you know, 20 to 30 times the value of Newcastle United at those prices. And I'd say, well, yeah, that, that either makes Newcastle United a, a, an amazing bargain mm. or you are paying a huge premium for the brand. Um, I, I don't think Sir Jim Ratcliffe would be willing to go that high. I think we're probably looking more in the region of four to five billion. Um, and and at that price, you, you then have got to factor in that it's it's going to cost you, uh, yeah, a, a lot of money to sort out Old Trafford. And my my personal view: knock it down, do a Spurs, have a state of the art twenty first century stadium, as opposed to something which looks like a sort. Of, the danger with building on building and building on an existing stadium is it is it starts to look a bit like a Jenga. Mm. Uh, model, yeah, you know, with bits sticking out left, right, and center, and it looks at, it. It just doesn't give the uh, doesn't give the impression of joined up thinking, and th- there's lots of sticking plasters over over various parts of it. Mm. So, you know, finding somewhere else to play in the northwest, yeah, that would be a challenge. Uh, but uh, yeah, Manchester United have played at the stadiums of other clubs before. Uh, you know, if we think about what happened in, in the war years, and yeah, so on. so. Um, I think a, a rebuild of Manchester United would sort of you know, knock a wee bit off the price because it, it's it, it's a bit like like you know, if, if you're buying a house and it, and it needs a new roof, then then you knock the price off the what you're prepared to pay for it. Yeah, I think they played at Main Road for two or three years, didn't they, from 1946? Mm. Yeah. Um, you might not be having a dig at Chelsea there, Kieran, but a lot of people this week, it's become this week's uh, story du jour, if you like, have been having a dig at Chelsea. Um, about how they're able to spend so much money and still stay within FFP rules. But we learned what Shakhtar Donetsk uh, are doing with some, at least, of Mikhailo Mudrik's transfer fee. Yes, yes. I've, I've, I, you, you might stop talking to me immediately after saying this. I, I've written an article in today's Daily Mail about amortisation. <laughs> good job. That's I, it. I, We're I, off. Literally, had just swallowed a, a mouthful of tea, which is great. Because otherwise, my <laughs> laptop would be covered in tea now, Kieran. <laughs> so I use, um, you're a gen, you're a generous soul, Kieran. You 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 spread your love far and wide. <laughs> <laughs> that's a bit like the Prowler, but that's that's a, yes, that's a that's, that's a Roch, that's a Rochdale story. That's a different pod. One of those that's a different podcast. One of those indeed. BBC Two crime prods. <laughs> Sorry, yes, <laughs> surprisingly popular. Yes, so so this is uh, in, in respect of Chelsea's acquisition of Mudrik um, from Shakhtar Donetsk, and the the owner of Shakhtar Donetsk has said that he's going to give, I think it's twenty uh, twenty five million euro to the heart of uh, excuse my pronunciation here Azovstal. Um, which is a, a sort of a charity stroke, you know, humanitarian organisation based in uh, the port of Mariupol. Um, and it's going to go for medical costs. It's going to go to help to to buy prosthetics for those people who have been tragically, uh, you know, lost, lost limbs and been injured as a result of the, the appalling decision of uh, Vladimir Putin. Um, and and I, I believe that money is, is going... ASAP, uh, and you know that that contrasts. And I, I don't, don't want to bring this up again, but I'm afraid we have to. Uh, you know, Chelsea was sold for 2.5 billion pounds last year, um, and there is still no evidence of any of that money, which was promised to uh, provide humanitarian relief uh, in respect of uh, what's been happening in Ukraine. There's no sign of any of that money uh, moving. It, it appears to be in an escrow mm-hmm. account. Um, the, the the government is moving very slowly on this. I absolutely appreciate there has to be checks and balances. You don't want that money being spent on things which are inappropriate. But um, it's you know it, it's freezing over there. With you know, you're seeing more and more horror stories about the the behaviour of uh, the the indiscriminate killing, the the behaviour of of the Russian uh, army, and so on. And uh, you know there's there's somebody a, a very uh, very nice bank account uh, with two point five billion getting interest on it every day, um, whilst people are sitting around and say, "Well, yeah, at, at some point in time, we'll get around to doing something good with this money." But that time should be now. I'm glad you raised it, Kieran, because I would have had to. Because since this story broke, the Mudrik story, 
so many people have said to me, hang on a second, what's happened to the, the, the Chelsea money? And as you say, it's, it's shameful. I mean, it was, mm. it, it, it was the decent thing to do at the time. You think, oh, well, this, is, this is a very positive, uh, decisive thing for our government to do, to say we're having the money and it's going to Ukraine. But the fact, as you say, it's still sitting there. And where's the interest going? There? But anyway, that's another question for another pod. It does lead us into um, a story about a certain gentleman's links with Everton. I'm almost mm. becoming reluctant to just mention the name Everton in the last couple of weeks, Kieran, because it's uh, it, it sets off a certain type of fan who don't, I think, listen to what we're actually saying. Um, I love Everton. It's a club that I've been treated wonderfully at uh, over the years, both as a fan and as a broadcaster. But there are one or two Everton fans who I think quite clearly are stepping over a line at the moment. Um, and we keep saying that they are just one or two. But unfortunately, yep. we're asking questions about Everton because there are stories swirling around about Everton as they are about other clubs. And we feel it's our, you know, we, the reason we set this point mm. up is to talk about football at every level. And we're not, we can't ignore a story just because we're going to get angry treats from a couple of uh, Everton fans that we now know reasonably well, basically. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, and what, you know the the protest that took place uh, at the grounds after the match at the weekend was was completely peaceful. Uh, it was a case of getting the message across. Unfortunately, there was there was nobody there to yeah. to listen to the message in many respects because uh, the, the the board had decided that uh, they were not going to turn up. But um, what what we've seen. With respect of Everton, and yeah, again, this story uh, originated in the Guardian, um, and it, it it is something. Uh, you know, I, we we both have friends in in the media. You know, um, rightly or wrongly, we we get to know quite a few journalists because of the nature of of what we cover on this show. Um, and and you know, we'd heard stories and, and said nothing historically um, because it, I, I'd, I'd rather somebody else write it than than, than me. Um, but the story in, in the in the Guardian was that uh, Alicia Usmanov, the I think the former business partner of the owner uh, Farhad Mishiri, um, had intimated, or pre- previous managers of Everton Football Club had had come away from from meetings when normally they were applying for the job. That uh, Mr. Usmanov was the owner of the club and. Yeah, the, the fact that it wasn't just one that the, yeah, the Guardian have said it was four or five, and yeah, we do know that uh, Alicia Usmanov was on a Zoom call with Frank Lampard when when he was applying for the job. Um, and, and, and there's let's face it, there's nothing wrong with that um, if, if if that's the strategy of the club. But it does seem sort of intuitively a bit strange that. A sponsor of a football club would be involved in uh, some form of the decision-making process when it comes to appointing the head coach, which you know, is the the most high-profile position of, of any football club. Um, you know, and, and also his his relationship with Everton. Um, for people don't, that don't know, sort of the full backstory. Um, uh, Alicia Usmanov was was a minority shareholder in. Uh, in Arsenal. Um, he then bought some shares from Farhad Mashiri. Farhad Mashiri used those proceeds to buy Everton. Um, there is something called the Paradise Papers, uh, which have been published. Um, and they they say that um, in order for Farhad Mashiri to buy his original investment in Arsenal, um, he was gifted money by Mr. Uh, Usmanov, which if, if that is the case, there's nothing illegal with that. Um, both Mashiri and Usmanov have have pushed back on that. Um, so it, th- there clearly is a, a close relationship. Uh, Alicia Usmanov's nephew um, did become uh, a board member of Everton Football Club. And you think, well, that's uh, that's odd. You know, why would a sponsor's nephew do that? Uh, he, he didn't last there very long. Um, uh, he, he resigned. Um, uh, and coincidentally, he, he was charged with an assault of somebody else uh, shortly before he decided to resign. I'm sure the two things are unconnected with one another, of course. Um, we've got the, the strange naming rights of both the training ground and paying you know, somewhere in the region of £30 million for an option to have 
uh, naming rights on on the new stadium. It, 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 all of this just it's just odd. Um, and yeah, the, the more you we listen to journalists and, and have conversations, yeah, they say something's not quite right in terms of the culture of the club, and that they feel uncomfortable. And uh, yeah, it, it's sad because yeah, as, as somebody that that works in the city. Um, you know, and I, I share a corridor with Evertonians who are very proud of their club, and you know they 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 you know they, they tell me it is very much the people's club, um, and, and I've said on many occasions, in my view, Everton in the community is the best and the most effective yeah. community scheme run by football clubs in the whole country. Um, that that there's something toxic, um, and that you know, uh, Farhad Mashiri went on. Uh, talk sport to, to have a chat with Jim White, and, and by all accounts, nobody nobody at the club knew he was going to do that. Right. And, and you know, lack of communication, lack of coordination, all of these things, it, 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 they they do have an impact upon what happens on the pitch. Mm. Because if people are a bit confused, you know, you need ev- you need everybody rowing in the same direction, and that doesn't appear to be the case. Yeah, as a trustee of um, the Palace Foundation, I can endorse. Uh, the respect with which Everton's community work is uh, held throughout the rest of football, basically. Um, we're probably on safer ground talking about FIFA, Kieran. They love a regulation. Um, <laughs> uh, and this week it's agents' turn. Yes. Um, FIFA have brought out some rules. Now, you know, we, we know... Uh, agents like uh, you know, Jonathan Booker and Craig Honeyman, they've both been on the show. Uh, I know Jonathan has been involved himself with regards to trying to talk some sense to, to FIFA. Um, and FIFA have, have published um, new rules with regards to agency. And yet th- there's some good bits. Um, you know, for people that didn't know sort of the backstory – there used to be regulation of of agents. Um, there used to be some sort of formal exams, and in 2015, FIFA scrapped them. They just said it's it's a wild west out there. Let let's not pretend that we can control it. So therefore, they they just they just completely deregulated things, um, uh, and they, they said that the agents now have to be called intermediaries, which which you know, everybody's going, well, yeah, what on earth does that mean? So so. In terms of sort of a summary of, of where we are, um, intermediaries are going to be called agents once more, which I think is good. There is going to be some formal system of exams. Um, anybody that's ever watched the, the Sopranos uh, will know that uh, yeah, there are ways of getting ways, ways of getting round exams if if, uh, if, if you're, you're that way minded, um, and. I think it's fair to say that the agents are the pantomime baddies of the football industry in that uh, if, if you want to make yourself popular, slag off agents. And yeah, if if Gianni Anfantino wanted to make himself popular, that's the type of thing that he done, he would do. And this would appear to be what's coming out here. So I, I think there's an element of populism in what we're seeing from the agents. So our, our good friend, Nick DeMarco, has uh, he's sort of written up a summary of of the events, and he's he's got some reservations because um, he said that uh, under FIFA proposals, there's there's going to be a fee cap. So if you are a representative of uh, a player, um, you are, you would be limited to three percent of the player's pay. Now, I, I believe it's normally in the region of 5 to 10%. So, you know, why 3%? Why not 4 Why 2 Yeah, It just seems, is, is this figure being uh, plucked at, at random? You know some footballers. I know some footballers. I've, I've never heard a footballer say, oh, the thing that really cheeses me off most about football is that I've got to give my agent 5% of, you know, a, a renewed deal or uh, of my of my remuneration or whatever it's going to be um so I, I don't hear footballers necessarily moaning about agents and yet um they're going to be subject to a fee cap and you go well you know why why are agents going to be subject to fee caps because there, there aren't fee caps for chief executives there aren't fee there aren't caps for transfer fees themselves there aren't fee caps for what uh Gianni infantino can earn and yet 
they seem to be trying to impose this on, on players. Um, it does mean that there's going to be inconsistencies because it looks as if if you are a buying club, um, the maximum you can be charged by an agency is 3%. But if you're a selling club, you're going to be restricted to 10%. So can you see which side of the deal agents are going to be want to being on? And, and therefore, you know, potentially buying clubs and players themselves are not going to get the best of a deal. So it just seems very, very strange. And, you know, if, if, if you're going to be restricted to 3% for being an agent, well, you know, what you do is that you find ways around that. So, uh, you know, you could do some consultancy work. Now, FIFA have said, well, you know, if you do any, if you do any other work um, for a player or for uh, a football club, then that counts towards your agent's fees. But, of course, all you do, you set up yet another company or you get one of your partners to be a consultant or something. So, you know, there, the, the more I look at it, the the more concerned it becomes. Um, if you take a look at the position in terms of agents representing minors, and, you know, again, you know, if you talk to agents, say, look, there are rogues around you. Know, there will be agents who who go to watch youth football um, and will, you know, say, oh, I'll, I'll, yeah, does your kid want a PlayStation and a better set of boots uh, and, and, are, and are doing tapping up? But... That's that's not going to stop with with FIFA's proposals, and, and FIFA have now said that um, you cannot uh, become an agent of a uh, of a young man or woman um, unless it's uh, six months before they sign their first professional contract. So you, so you can search, you sign your first pro contract here um, in, in in England uh, if when you're seventeen, but clubs are trying to sign up players before that date so you've got on the one hand you could have somebody who's 15 or 16 that the clubs are trying to nudge them towards this that and the other and this this young person is not allowed professional representation and there is in my view a misconception you know some, some of the agents we, we speak to they are very professional they want what's best for their clients you know you, you, you've got you, you often talk about Bobby Numbers, mm. you know, your your accountant, and he wants to do what's best for you. He's not in it for himself. He, he takes the view that if I do a professional job for my client, the client's happy, and and I benefit from that, and and that's the way it should be. So not all agents are this sort of this spiv character as they are often portrayed, um, and it could mean that the young players themselves are the ones who are going to lose out. So. In terms of the proposals, I'd probably give it you know two out of ten, three out of ten from FIFA. It just seems lack of joined up thinking. They they're, they're treating uh, agents as as the scapegoats of football, easy target, and and trying to to earn a few plaudits uh, through through all of this. Mm. Uh, yeah, uh, Bobby Numbers uh, is happy. I'm happyish. I tell you, who's delighted? HMRC. Um. Uh, <laughs> I, and I do know some players, you're quite right, but mostly what I hear from them is, how did you get my number? And <laughs> thirdly, I thought you were the pantomime villain of football. Well, well I am with some yeah. football club owners. It, 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 it strikes me, Kieran, this 3% figure is surely going to be impossible to police because unless FIFA are mm. given full access to a player's annual financial accounts every year, or to an agent's financial accounts every year, how are they even going to know? And, and as you say, agents, like they would know hundreds of ways of getting around that, mm. that figure. I mean, I could think of a couple just while we're talking. So that seems to me, like you said, to be a figure plucked out of the air to have a go, as you say, at some, you know, in FIFA again, well, everybody in football hates agents. Uh, let's do something and hope that the people don't look into it too carefully. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Absolutely um, right. Now, mostly lately, Kieran, I've been watching Premier League matches through my fingers, but there could be a new way of watching them on TV. Yes. Um, Apple TV uh, was launched a few years ago, and we've just seen Apple sign a 10-year deal in the USA, at USA for MLS. Um, and it looks like they're trying to increase their 
their foothold um, in in the beautiful game. Um, a new documentary is, is just been coming out on on Apple. It's called The War for Football. Uh, it's all about the Super League. So um, I will be watching that with uh, with enthusiasm. But there are now talks and uh, you know talks and rumours and conjecture. We don't, we don't know how concrete this is with regards to Apple saying, well, you know, if if we want to get involved in sport. What's the most popular sport? It's football. What's the most popular element within football? The Premier League. You know, the Premier League itself uh, put out a, a press release talking about you know, 188 different countries watch the Premier League. Um, the present deal that we have is uh, in terms of live matches, Sky, BT and Amazon. Um, I think it's, it's fairly well known that, that BT are not overly happy with, with their role within football. Um, I think it's fair to say, yeah. That I think they are they are exploring all eventualities. So th- there is talk that that Apple TV might become involved. Uh, negotiations will be starting later this year. Sky's business model um, is, is very much based on on Premier League rights, and uh, you know I, I think you know we've often said there's two elements: that the quality of the product is is absolutely amazing. Uh, the physical price is is challenging for many people. Um, but uh, you know, Apple have the resources to challenge Sky. Uh, so uh, you know, I, I think that the Premier League are in a fantastic negotiating position because um, you know that they are aware that the that the tech companies are, are looking for other revenue streams. Um, they're also aware that uh, you know, for Sky keeping hold of the Premier League rights is absolutely critical. And you know, there's, there's there's no way we could have a Sky. Sky Sports without Premier League, you know, it's, it, the two are synonymous. Um, but it does mean, of course, that that gives the Premier League the the, the ability to negotiate the maximum dollar um, yeah, from this. So, uh, yeah, wait and see. But uh, you might happen to get another app. Uh, yeah, and the downside, you might have to be signing up for another subscription if you, if you want to watch um, uh, a lot of Premier League rights as we go forwards. But this won't be until twenty twenty five at the earliest. Mm. Uh, we spoke earlier, Kieran, of the understandable frustration of Everton fans, but at least they waited till after the game for all their demonstration. Not the case in the National League with one club that I'm afraid we are talking about week after week. Yes, um, Scunthorpe United. Um, there, there was a pitch invasion during the match. Um, it was non-violent. Uh, yeah. I, uh, Hold my hands up. I've, I've been involved in a pitch invasion you know, when when Brighton were in deep trouble in the uh, you know, in in the mid to late nineties. I've done it, and it was yeah, go in, sit on the centre circle, then look around your mates and think, what, what are we going to do next? Um, but um, it is uh, ex- fans expressing their their, their increased concern uh, about the the future of the club, the existence of the club. Um, the owner Peter Swan, uh, you know, he I think he is under a, a lot of scrutiny um, at present, um, and, and then you know you, you wonder sometimes it's sometimes if, if you are under scrutiny, you know, keep keep your head down, um, you know, if if, uh, if if you if you if you've got your horses running in Abu Dhabi <laughs> the day before a match, uh, you go know, uh, that that doesn't necessarily look too too good. Um, it does appear that there are uh, uh, consultants, Begbies, uh, involved at Scunthorpe. There was also planning permission uh, with regards to Glanford Park. Uh, yeah, that that went. That's going through North Lincolnshire Council, and and you know this has been something which has been that Peter Swan's been involved in for for a long period of time. It was just you know it was it, it was I think this was a genuine unfortunate coincidence, but that that came through in terms of documents last Thursday or Friday. Fans are going well. Surely your focus should be on the football club. Um, so it's it, it's a messy one, but it's um, yeah, it, it's good to see that the club is now getting a lot more uh, or attention, a lot more profile. Uh, you know, there's a big article in the Athletic about it. I know Jeff Stellings mentioned yeah. uh, Scunthorpe, and, and and this this is what we need. You know, it's because people so some people might say it's only the fifth tier or it could be the sixth tier for Scunthorpe United next season. You know, they're having a bad season on the pitch, but 
to people of Scunthorpe, it's it's just as important. You know, it's it's part of their identity, their upbringing, their their collective memories, uh, just as it is for for you and I who, who support clubs in the Premier League or people who support Real Madrid and Barcelona and uh, you know, other clubs all around the world. And to to save any Scunthorpe fans choking on their Thursday morning cornflakes, consultants at the club are very much not the same as administrators at the club, are they? That's right. I believe that it is Begbies who are who are associated with uh, administration. You know that they are a, 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 an insolvency practice as well. But um, what could be happening here is is that they're trying to find uh, a buyer without having to go through the formal process of administration. Um, and I think a lot would depend upon the price. Uh, I, I have been contacted by interested parties to say, well, we, we thought we had a deal. And then somebody, and we will mention no names, um, moved the goalposts in terms of what we were buying, how much we were yeah. expected to pay and so on. So um, th- there is frustration, uh, but there is certainly interest as far as other parties are concerned. It's never too late to say this, but Happy New Year from our friends at Manscaped. The ball has officially dropped, but that doesn't mean you have to drop the ball on your balls in 2023. Instead, why not join the 7 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with an offer especially for Price of Football listeners. If you go to manscaped.com and use the code PRICEOFFOOTBALL in big letters, PRICEOFFOOTBALL, you'll get 20% off the price of your order and free shipping. Indeed, chaps. If if when you drop your trousers, you don't want it to resemble Davy Crockett's hat, then what you need is the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. You'll find the signature Lawnmower 4.0. It's advanced skin-safe technology, which reduces cuts and nicks on your delicate parts. And it also comes equipped with a 4000K LED spotlight. A grooming routine isn't, however, complete without applying Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver before showing off your 2023 self. And to complete the set, Manscaped are throwing in their shed travel bag and anti-chafing boxer briefs as free gifts to keep all your goodies stored comfortably. I've just Googled Davy Crockett's hat and no, I do not want to look like that down there. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code PRICEOFFOOTBALL at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use that code PRICEOFFOOTBALL. Time to feel sexy and free this 2023 with Manscaped. I'm Steve Lamack and every week I'm joined by Music Allies Head of Insights Stuart Dredge on The Price of Music, the weekly podcast all about the money behind the music industry. In each episode we discuss the very latest goings on in the music business and dig into the finances behind the big stories. So whether you're a music lover who just wants to know more about what really goes on in the industry or you're an aspiring musician, manager or label owner who wants some inside knowledge on how Spotify's financial model really works or what the future holds for independent live music venues, this is a show for you. Subscribe to The Price of Music in your podcast app now. See you soon. Aston Villa, Kieran, to their great relief, I'm sure, are a club we very rarely mention, but there's been a very interesting statement released from some of their fans this week. Yes, um, this has come from the, the Aston Villa's Aston Villa Supporters Trust, and it's it's with regard to the uh, Asian betting company BK8. Um, now, uh, keen listeners to the pod may recall that BK8 um, were announced as Norwich City's shirt sponsors uh, just over a year ago, about a year and a half ago. Um, and then fans said, well, we don't know who are BK8, and they did a bit of Googling. Uh, and it, I think it's fair to say that, that BK8's um, marketing strategy is is not one that makes you feel particularly comfortable. It's it's very much to do with the sexualization of women. Uh, it's, it's pretty tawdry stuff. 
Um, and and Norwich fans, to, to their credit, they 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 kicked up a fuss and and they they, they went to you know their, their contacts at the club and say this, this does not represent us. You know, we Norwich prides itself. You know, you, you think of Norwich City, you think of Delia. You you know, it's a homely club. I know you've visited there many many times in, in your role. Um, you know, as as a uh, as, as somebody connected with match of the day and, and, and professional football and so on. And I know you've always told me you know, just how welcoming it is and, and it's a delightful club. So to get in something, get involved with something a bit grubby that isn't particularly good. And it now appears that um, BK8 are going to be some form of shirt sponsor. Now, I don't know whether this was going to be planning to be front of shirt or whether it was going to be shirt sleeve, but the supporters trust have said, um, they feel a let down by the club. They put out a strongly worded statement. Um, they say that the chief executive, Chris, uh, Christian Perslow, um, you know, they, they've had meetings with him historically. Um, and uh, Villa currently are uh, their sponsors are Kazoo, so it's it's a non it's a non gambling company. And they say, well, you know, he indicated um, that uh, they. They were not going to get involved with a gambling company, and you know, certainly given the, the resources of the two owners, it, it's not something that Villa would have to do. You know that they they could they, they could pursue other interests. So they they feel let down by by Christian Perslow, um, BK Eight. They are, they are, I think, the official. Well, and what clubs are now doing is they're saying we they don't necessarily have front of shirt or side of shirt, but you you sometimes see in the logos if you go onto the club website. So I think BK8 are the official Asian betting sponsor of Burnley, Huddersfield, and Palace. Mm. Uh, those have been announced with little fanfare by the clubs themselves because BK8 are saying, well, you know. We do all of our uh, advertising and marketing in in our domestic market. So, you know, just, but we not. But when football is being broadcast in Asia, it allows us to sort of go saying, "Yeah, this is this is one of the clubs we've got a connection with. This is another, and so on." Um, so, uh, yeah, the, the supporters trust underwhelmed uh, by by Villa um, taking this stance. Uh, you know, Christian Perslow, experienced chief executive. Um, Got very nice hair. I'll, I'll tell you a story about his hair uh, when we're off air. Oh, oh, blimey! Oh, that's that's set the imaginative juices rolling. Yeah, I was disappointed to learn that um, Palace have a link uh, with BK8. But having said that, it's not that long since our shirt sponsors were Manbet X, whose gambling site was also a soft porn site. Um, mm. I don't think enough Palace fans know about it to kick up a fuss, but I would like to think they will do. Uh, once I tell them, um, we'll keep an eye on that story. Uh, just down the road from Aston Villa, we have uh, Coventry City, Kieran. And, and Cov City Co. Limited, the new parent company, has been quite busy this week. Yes. So this is this, the company which has been set up by Doug King, who who is the new owner. Um, time to hold my hand up here. I, I thought he was a Coventry City fan, but I've, I've been reliably informed yes. he, he was originally a, right. uh, a Pompey fan, I think it was. Um, Norwich, but, Norwich are claiming him as one of theirs, and well. Norwich are claiming yeah, him as yeah. well. Yeah, so uh, he's, uh, but uh, he he does have uh, a majority stake uh, in in Coventry, uh, and what Cov City Co Limited has been doing is that it's been issuing shares, um, and the aim and the the, the aim I, I've been reliably informed uh, has been achieved is that Coventry City are now debt free. So it's issued. Wow. Yeah, millions and millions of shares. It's, it's raised money. Um, so the former owners, Sisu, um, I, I know some Coventry City fans have expressed some concern that Sisu, who are a uh, a hedge fund based overseas, um, still have 15% yeah. of, uh, of the club. But if you take a look at... At uh, a lot of the small print and a lot of the the documents which have been lodged at company's house, that wonderful service, um, it, it says yes, they own fifteen percent, but they don't have any directors on the board of the club. So you know, if you own fifteen percent of the shares in a company and somebody else owns eighty five percent, you you have no influence whatsoever as far as key decision making is concerned. So I think there will be a sigh of relief from Cov fans. Um, a that the relationship with CC wasn't good because CC spent most of their time as owners 
trying to buy the stadium on the cheap and and now it's gone to Mike Ashley um, and, and there wasn't a good relationship. Uh, so so I, I think it's all looking positive as, as far as this is concerned. Uh, now, up in Scotland, Kieran, or down in Scotland, if you're listening in Iceland, uh, and if you are listening in Iceland, let us know. I'd be intrigued to hear how many people we've got in Reykjavik. St Johnston are heading for their lowest home support in the modern era, but there is a reason why. Yes, um, this is to do with St Johnston uh, being at home in in the Scottish Cup uh, to Rangers, and uh, St Johnston fans, I, I think it's fair to say, are are cheesed off for for two reasons. Uh, first of all, um, the club has decided to give. The Rangers fans three stands yeah. out of the four, uh, so fans say, "Hold on, you know, I've I've been coming here through all all divisions, levels of success and failure, and so on of the club, and now I'm being turfed out because you want to make a few quick bucks." Um, yeah, and, and we know that Rangers fans will will travel in numbers. Um, so, you know, from a financial point of view, you can understand why the club has done what it's done, if not necessarily sympathise with it. Um, and the other issue is that um, they've, uh, they're have they charging £30 yeah. for this. Yeah. And people, fans are going, well, yeah, hold on, you know, cost of living crisis. Um, you know, A, we're being turfed out of our own seats. We have to go and sit elsewhere. And, and then you've got the cheek to charge us 30 notes. You know, you know and I'm not bigging up my club. Uh, Brighton are playing Liverpool in the FA Cup uh, fourth round in 10 days' time. We're charging twenty five quid, and that includes your travel to and from the game. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it does seem uh, very harsh. Um, St Johnson are giving some some free tickets to under twelve, but it comes with conditions. So, um, the report is that St Johnston have sold less than three hundred tickets right. to their own fans uh, to attend at McDermott Park. The previous lowest was in 1986, where they sold 466. And uh, I, I think that, yeah, this is a classic case of good communication, good relationships with fans. This could have been managed in a far more amenable way, um, where I think all parties could have come out of it feeling a wee bit better. Uh, and the club wouldn't necessarily have suffered significantly financially. But, uh, yeah, the trouble is, if you alienate your fan base to make a quick buck because you've got big opposition coming, um, you know the next time when you've got a home match and it's the Scottish Cup and, and you're up against you know a lower or you know in Inverness Calithis or or you know, a less glamorous club, the fans will remember that. Yeah, because the one thing that we do know of being a critical issue of being a football fan is that we've got ridiculous memories yeah. when it comes to when we are when we feel that we've been slighted. I, I presume that those 300 tickets, Kieran, will be above uh, and beyond the, the existing season ticket holders, presumably. Yes, yeah. yes. And, and also, yeah. it's not... The thing is, Kieran, you say alienating. I say rubbing their nose in it, essentially, because what you have here is that, you know, you, you and I discuss this. We are, we are Premier League clubs, which is... Brilliant. How long that is the case, we don't know, but we are Premier League clubs. We're reasonably well-supported Premier League clubs. But we know for a fact that on a, at 3 o'clock on a Saturday afternoon, if if Steve Parrish were to say, I'll tell you what, we've got Man United coming, uh, we, we'll let them buy the ticket. We, we know that if it, access to tickets was unlimited, Man United would fill Sellers Park on their own. We know that. Yeah. Yeah, but you you don't say that. To them. You don't do that. Of course you don't. And because, as you say, you, and St Johnston fans, you you think this is my own my own club. It's like all right, there might be some empty seats in the in the home bit, but you give the away fans an away bit, maybe a bit bigger. But you don't even for the bit of money that it brings in, you don't just say right, your home ground is not your home ground for this game, because then you might as well say, well, it's not going to be your home ground for any Rangers or Celtic game. So that's four games a season when your home ground isn't your isn't your home ground, and it's just you don't treat your fans like that because, as you say, when it comes to a, a relegation battle, if you like, or a championship or a playoff battle, why don't you turn up? You know, it's just it's, it's just yeah, and and also the reverse of that coin is that Rangers are Celtic might might well turn around and say, well, I'll tell you what, St Johnston only bring five hundred, why why bother with that? Let's just get rid of that and just sell those tickets to. Celtic or Rangers fans, it's just really 
really, really annoying. Um, Bucks, uh, much further south, Kieran, is a, a, a story that, <clears throat> and I've looked at it from all ways around, and I can't see uh, any negative connotations at all. It's just a financial good news story. Well, it's not even financial, but it, it, it is. But it, this one's a great story, and it, it involves a club that had a fantastic FA Cup result against a club we've already mentioned in the pod. Yes, yes. So yeah, we're talking about Steve yeah. Lynch. And first of all, yeah, congratulations uh, for what they've achieved uh, in beating Villa. Um, but uh, Steve Lynch have, have updated their uh, their constitution. And uh, I, I believe that they've been in consultation with, with Brentford. Uh, and, and Brentford, I think, are, are one of the trailblazers with regards to this. So um, under the, the revised constitution uh, of Steve Lynch, um, the the supporters association uh, effectively you know, we've we've spoken about golden shares and, and this is this is effectively what golden share does um, the the club cannot move stadium change its name change its badge or change its home shirt color without the approval without the yeah, the thumbs up from the supporters association um, so it it does provide a degree of protection on those issues which which we as fans consider to be yeah, pretty sacrosanct, um, and it's it's zero financial cost realistically to the club. Yeah, I know there could be issues in terms of the stadium, but if you think about what happened at Brentford, you know, um, the the owner went to the supporters' association. So, yeah, we we need to move from Griffin Park. This is what I'm proposing to do. This is this is how it's going to look. These are the facilities, um, and and you work in conjunction with people. Um, and when everybody works together, you get people moving in the same direction. Yeah, you know, I've been to, to Brentford's new stadium. A, it's great, but B, you you can sense the the enjoyment that the fans are getting themselves. Yeah, you know, they do they do feel that it's theirs. Um, they don't feel that they've been sidelined for for a money project. And uh, and ev- and everybody wins on the back of that. So. So fair play to the people in charge of Stevenage. You know, not a club that we cover very often, which is, which is normally good news, let's be honest. Um, but at the same time, uh, it does make fans feel a wee bit closer to the club that they love, and we're all for that. Yeah, and let's face it, St Johnston are a bigger team in Scotland than Stevenage are in England, but whose fans are the happier at the moment, do you think? And has has this come? Have Stevenage got new owners? Has this impetus come from new owners, or is it just simply something between the current owners and the, the supporters' association? No, I, I think there has been. Uh, I think there have been conversations between Stevenage supporters' association and people at Brentford. You know, I think Stevenage will have uh, contributed. You know, as many clubs have done towards the fan-led review. Um, and then you start to network. You, know, you build up relationships with other people, and and that allows you to take things forwards. And, and you know, this is the culmination of that. Yeah, I should apologise to listeners, Kieran. You may have heard some extraneous uh, noises off in the past couple of minutes, starting with a doorbell, which then led me to notice that uh, Ali was in the kitchen with my cousin, and then the very the loudest kettle in the world was on, and I decided to try and attract Ali's attention to suggest that I'd really like a cup of tea by banging my empty mug on the worktop. Uh, and then the final sound effect was the sound of a mug of tea being slammed down on a table. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's, been, there's been worse noise interruptions yeah. in sports-related <laughs> yes, uh, broadcasts over the course of the last few hours. That's very true. <laughs> yeah, that was bizarre, wasn't it? That was a really bizarre story last night. They, they, you are talking about the FA Cup, presumably. Um, Yes. Yes. What was that? I, I didn't find out what the just somebody doing seagull impressions every time Gary Lillard could try to talk to Danny Murphy, which is hilarious. Yeah, yeah. I, I was I was I was watching match today with with the Baroness, and we both looked at each other, and she looked at me, and she just said, "She's faking it." <laughs> <laughs> um, the EFL, Kieran. Um, have been uh, blowing their own trumpet, banging their own drum this week, but in a, in a way that I think they deserve. Yes, um, I, I think this is one best filed under fluffy press releases, but <laughs> but I think it's um, it's it's indicative of the importance of football. So the EFL have put out a a, a report which looks at the social value 
that uh, their 72 members have given to the local communities. Um, and, and they valued it at, at £865 million. And it's, it's the fact that um, you know, it attracts people to individual towns and cities. It can be used for health and education because clubs are using their community projects. So uh, you know, we, we've spoken with the pride that, that we feel, even with uh, you know, things you, you mentioned, the quiet room at Palace and the club, and so many clubs are putting themselves as as uh, as warm hubs for for elderly people, for people who are alone, for people who can't afford. You know, they're stuck in their houses and they can't afford to heat them. Um, so, I, th- I think what the EFL are doing here, and, and it and it's and it is appropriate, is saying you know, all of the focus, as far as the media are concerned, is on Manchester United and Arsenal and Chelsea and so on. But it's the likes of Stevenage, it's the likes of Barrow, it's the likes of Accrington Stanley who are helping individual, you know, quite often small towns um, to to survive, to to have a sense of purpose that, that only a fo- you know, football football can give. And uh, you know, fair, fair play to all of these clubs, both individually and collectively. Our penultimate story, Kieran, involves uh, a Stoke City fan responding to a story we did last week. Um, the story was about disabled fans and Andy Thorley got... <laughs> Postman, postman. I feel I should have. I feel. The postman has has dyed his hair uh, in exactly the same colour as as a post box. Really? So, uh, my my local postman is. He's a very good lad, but he takes his job very, very seriously. He takes his job, unless he's got a promotion interview coming up and he's trying to impress the bosses, or maybe he's got a new scam coming up and he's got a large mouth and he's trying to get some checks (laughs) posted into it. I I feel I should apologise to Andy Thorley and say, please don't take it personally, Andy. Uh, Finley wasn't barking just at the sound of your name. Um, I know that for a fact because he can't hear me because Kieran's got headphones in. Um, but yes, so we did a story last week, Kieran, about uh, disabled fans. Um, and Stoke City fan and listening to the show, Andy Forley, got in touch to say that there's far more to the issue than we actually discussed. Yes, uh, and he's absolutely right yeah. to raise that. And, and, yeah, and I think I was probably a bit simplistic and perhaps ill-thought Ill, Ill through I in, we both in, in what I, I said. Think we both were, Kieran, to be honest. Um, you know, Fans, fans who have got you know, physical and mental health conditions come from a, a wide variety of uh, complaints and uh, issues and disabilities, and, and we should have acknowledged that. Um, and it, it's far more than providing uh, wheelchair access for fans. So I think Andy was right to say, well, hold on, you know, what happens for people who have cerebral palsy? What happens to to people who have got, uh, you know, people who are blind? What happens to you know, and, and so on. So you're, you're absolutely right, Andy. Apologies, hand, hands held high. Um, you know, I think I think clubs do things at times, but I think clubs are, are sometimes as guilty as we are, um, and it is an area that that could be addressed with uh, a bit more sympathy. At the same time, some clubs are doing absolutely fantastic for for all. Uh, all of their fans who uh, who are disabled in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, I mean, we'd be happy to talk to people out there or, or just listen to your stories because I have to say some of the things that Andy told us in his tweet. Andy has cerebral palsy; he's a Stoke City home and away fan, and just simple things that had, had never occurred to us, Kieran. And the fact that, to be honest, it, it, it occurred to both of us that we were only talking about wheelchair fans last week. It, it didn't occur to me that there were clubs out there whose disabled car park was a 15 minute walk from the ground uh, it yeah, didn't occur that, to me that it didn't occur to me that disabled some disabled fans are being charged to park and, and it, there are all sorts of accessibility issues other than wheelchairs so uh, yeah I mean we would love we really would love to learn more so please if get in touch with us with your stories or if you want to come on the pod um, and, and share you'd be more than welcome and finally Kieran I mean we talked about the Stevenage story being good news. I mean, this is, I don't think this story, I mean, this should have been a Christmas story. We should have done a special Christmas pod 
and unwrapped this story <laughs> just for you live on air because it would have been like a, a three-year-old. I mean, because you tell us who you've done an interview with, Kieran. Uh, yeah, people people know that I I monitor an awful lot. I'm, I monitor every single football club uh, in the country yeah, uh, from about the yeah, six or seven divisions. Monitor is um, one word, Kieran. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, I, I was I've been contacted by Company's House itself, um, and, and I thought first of all I got the email. So I said yes, we're going, I thought oh, they're going to give me a restraining order, um, but um, yeah, they. They've asked me to to contribute towards their blog. They they've done an interview, um, and and they've put it out. So I, I just say I'm a I'm I'm genuinely honoured, um, and B uh, yeah, I've said this before. It it's a free service. It's it's a fantastic service. Um, it, it allows fans to get a bit more insight into the the business side of of the clubs that they love and also of course the clubs that they hate um and uh you know make 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 use of it um if if that's what you want to do equally for those fans for whom football is you know it's it's that it's that escape and it is seeing your mates shouting shouting a few things both good and bad uh, and having a few pints, a burger, and so on. I absolutely understand why that wouldn't necessarily be for you. But um, it, it is a free service. You can get alerts from Companies House, um, and I do have alerts for, for every single football club in in all of the professional divisions, National League and so on, uh, companies which are run by footballers and foot people connected to football. Um, and it's for me, it's it's absolutely brilliant, and, and it helps me to, to do – my my day job, you know. Ultimately, yeah. Remember, I'm a teacher, uh, and it and it helps me to to be able to communicate and uh, in you know uh, help help my students uh, in in terms of their understanding of the game as well. So, uh, first of all, I, I am genuinely honoured, and secondly, keep up the great work. Uh, I have two questions for you, Kieran. The first, less serious, than the second. Um, did you interview them or did they interview you? And whichever way around it was, was every question, why are you so great? No, why are you so great? No, no, why are you so great? <laughs> um, secondly, what, what is it that you can learn from Companies House, Kieran? And is there information that you are restricted from having access to? Right. Um, they, they got in contact with me. Um, I, I think it was one of their their comms people, their press press, press officer. Yeah, yeah they, I, be, I believe I believe we listened to at company's yeah, house. Yeah. Um, uh, in terms of of what you you can find, you can find all of the the company updates with regards to ownership issues, constitution issues, if the club takes out a, a secured loan, so any mortgages, anything to happen with the accounts, uh, changes of ownership. Uh, share issues, so you know core financial issues. You you can't find out the day to day activities of the club, um, and I, I fully understand why. You know, we I think there's there's a right amount of scrutiny, stroke nosiness, mm. um, but uh, and and you are reliant upon the clubs um, complying with the law. So you know there are some clubs who who deliberately don't publish their accounts and instead the owner says yeah I, I don't want any scrutiny so what i'll do i'll i'll pay a fine and, and right. uh you know companies now say well we'll put up with that for a while but eventually they get fed up and then they will perhaps threaten with a winding up order or something like that um so uh it it, it is it is a useful service uh it, it is reliant upon you know the decency of and goodwill of of people who who decide to create limited uh, you know, lim- limited companies, and, and that and that's the price you pay. Um, you know, the protection that you get from being a limited company, and, and that protection is if if that company is wound up, then the shareholders only pay up the value of their shares. Whereas if I'm a sole trader and I go bust, my creditors can come and they can take my house and they can take my mm. car and take all my possessions because I don't have limited liability protection. So that's the benefit of it. The downside or the, the price that you pay is, is one that there is increased scrutiny um, in terms of your your legal obligations of, of being somebody connected to a private company. And we know from experience, Kieran, that a lot of our listeners do go away from the pod and do their own research 
into an area of concern about their club. So how do they go about that? Just as a final point, is it a registration fee? Do you have to join? Is it all done online? Can you turn up at company's house and say, I want to have a look at Mansfield Town's accounts? And they say, certainly, sir, we'll bring them to you in room 27. What's the process? It's now all online. So if if you go to companieshouse.gov.uk, it's all free. Um, They used to charge, but I think around about 15 years ago, I'm I'm not quite sure um, who was the chancellor who announced it. I think it may have been Gordon Brown. Um, But whoever did it, certainly from my point of view, it's it's been an absolute godsend because uh, I I used to have to fund it all myself when I started getting involved in this. And that that was uh, if, if you've got 150 football clubs that yeah that that can add up uh, especially with some of the documents are, are pretty trivial um so it's a free service I, I think it's an appropriate service because um you know we are stakeholders as as fans of clubs um and, and, and it applies to every company in the uk as well um you are stakeholders as you know customers as fans as people with an emotional investment financial investment suppliers uh, lenders and so on uh, and it's it's in my view one of the best in the world because very very few other countries uh, offer as comprehensive a service and and very few of them do it for nothing as well uh, so now i was about to ask you I'm, I'm actually finding this more interesting than i thought i assumed four minutes ago that by now i'd be drinking that reluctantly made cup of tea that just slammed down in front of me but you mentioned other companies so other countries have their own equivalent of companies' house, do they? Where you can look these things up, or, or are we I say almost unique? But you can't be almost unique. Um, I, I think there 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 are similar things. I know when I've tried to dig out some issues in in terms of what's happening in the Republic of Ireland, it, it, it is more complicated. In the USA, very little information about private companies. Public companies are slightly different yeah. um, because of the uh, I think of the lobbying of. Uh, the, the the American constitutional process there, so uh, I, I think we are very much ahead of the game. It it does vary from from country to country though, um, uh, but uh, you know so, some are a lot better than others. Yeah, North Korea, not so yeah, good. Yeah, I'm guessing. Yeah, I'd, actually, I'd quite like to wangle uh, a visit to Company's House just to see whether the screensaver on the laptops is a picture of you. Uh, thank you to everyone who's donated to the pod via our patreon page we really do appreciate that and if you'd like to join them and make a small monthly contribution to the pod that would be very kind of you as well and you can do so by going to patreon.com slash price of football if you have a question you'd like answered on the show on our monday edition then email us at questions at price of and in the meantime i shall hand you over to mr kieran Maguire for his customary farewell well thanks as always folks for your support for the show um, you, you can do that in a variety of ways. Uh, you know, we, we we do take notice if you, if you uh, think we've done something uh, wrong on, on via social media and so on. Um, you can email us, of course. Uh, and another way of doing offering support is 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 to go onto your app and to uh, to send us a, a review, uh, a message, and it helps us in the charts. It uh, it helps to show that Apple that we're still going and. And, and it gives a, a bit of credibility when we're trying to book guests and so on. And, and it doesn't matter what you say uh, with regards to the review. You don't even have to give a, a, a verbal review. You can just give some stars if you want. Um, you could even say you would rather have the show presented by tax exile Sir Jim Ratcliffe and Morocco Mole, sidekick of Secrets Grill. And I wouldn't care. <laughs> or old Morocco Mole. And those are words I never thought I'd end this pod with. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Bye. The price of football. Bye, son, for the